Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Conspire Theory. Today we're going to talk conventions and stuff. <laughs> okay, okay, uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself since I screwed up your name so many times. I get it all the time. Uh, it's pronounced Dave Hankin is the correct way. I run San Japan, a local anime convention in San Antonio, Texas. It's one of the largest in South Texas. We're going on our 11th year on Labor Day weekend. We're expecting between sixteen to 19,000 people to show to our show. Oh, that's cool. And I've known you for about, like, what, 10 years now since the... Since EDA. Yeah, Zero-day anime. Zero-day anime. It was the first anime convention that I went to on my own. It was held at Our Lady of the Lake University. They had their own anime convention for a while, and that was pretty cool. And that's okay. where I, I first got into the, the anime scene was... Going to Zero Day Anime, I, I went to go check it out and said, oh my god, this is breathtaking, this is amazing, I've got to become a part of this, some, this is such a cool thing. And since then, you and me became fast friends, I, I helped you out a few times as best as I could. You. you know, one of the many hundreds of thousands of people that work under you. <laughs> See, it feels like it. Yeah, it feels like it sometimes. And yeah, just go ahead and tell us a little bit about... San Japan, it's, it's humble roots and stuff. And then we're going to get into them, some fun topics. So San Japan was started by a group of us who go to other conventions at the time. Uh, we went to the ones in Austin, Dallas, and Houston. This young woman approached all of us and said, oh, we have this idea to start one in San Antonio. And would you be a part of it? I came on as like a business manager. So I didn't create the idea of San Japan. Uh, I was just part of the, the initial group. We got everything together. We were going to debut in July of 20, uh, no, 2007. Things kind of fell apart because we didn't know what we were doing. This was before there was any information about how to put a convention together. The one young woman ended up leaving. I ended up signing all the paperwork to run it. Uh, we advertised and scraped all we could to put together one show. The Zero, uh, Zero Day Anime was kind of like a test run to see if it was possible. I got to touch with the people who run the anime club at Arlay Lake University. It was a good first year, uh, first test run, zero day. Then we had a great successful first year at the El Tropicano, and we've kind of grown into the biggest anime convention. It's also kind of inspired other big shows. Uh, we have PAX here now and Alamo City Comic Con. Uh, even the guy who runs Alamo City Comic Con said he was inspired by San Japan and when we moved to the convention center after five years in existence. It's funny because you really showed the people of, basically you showed the city that we can have really big shows here, really big fan-driven shows. Yeah, and it's just great that I inspired people. Uh, I now have shows inspired me. Uh, I even have people who have uh, had kids because of our shows. They met at our shows, so <laughs> we call them San Japan Babies. <laughs> that's, that's pretty cute. Last year was the only one that I missed, and that's because of work, unfortunately. Well, I, we also tried you know, not just focus just on anime. We try to be the... The big cool nerd show uh, have like YouTube guests. We've had pony guests, brony guests before. I feel like we were the ones where furries, little furries, came out to our show uh, because we were like a safe space, and we grew from really in a basement taking over the entire convention center. <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. cool. Now let's go ahead and get into some rumors and conspiracies and lot lots of dirt. Well, yeah, when you get bigger and bigger, you're going to gain some enemies <laughs> along the way. Yeah, but. I figured Hillary Clinton is a is a reptilian, or or Al Gore is a is a is actually a robot, or he's a hybrid alien, or something goofy and stupid. And I approached you and I said, you know, this is going to be the last San Japan. Or uh, I hear that, you know, they're going to be approached by Wizard World and they're going to buy them out, or or someone's going to 
it's always someone's going to buy out San Japan. First off, I would if is anybody who would love to buy San Japan, I am definitely open. <laughs> <laughs> I will definitely will, will, will listen to their offers. Uh, so I, I highly doubt there's not a lot of money, be, money to be made in anime conventions. So a lot more money to be made in comic conventions. And another rumor that the show was funded by drug money. It was started by somebody who did not like our show because my nickname is Prose, and that's that's where it initially came from. And then somebody, a, a popular, famous voice actor, at least in the anime circuit, took that rumor, uh, and he didn't really like me, uh, so he was going around the U.S. and and. and telling this rumor to a lot of shows but luckily a lot of people yeah didn't believe him because he was kind of crazy uh, <laughs> about a lot of things a lot yeah, so he's a bit of a conspiracy nut yeah he's just crazy in general as most actors are from what i've seen uh the other one more recently is there was a uh, huge thing called boycott Ami matsuri and no one could figure out who was behind the boycott Ami matsuri one part i kind of like tweeted a little bit that uh, I don't agree with this show. Uh, there's a lot of issues with this show. And then there was another per- another person who went off on a large tangent. I kind of jumped in and agreed with the tangent. And but because I was agreeing to the tangent, that clearly it was me behind wanting to take over or destroy a show that is over 200 miles away from San Antonio because I wanted to clearly get into the Houston market. You know it. I just want to start more shows that because it's not hard, hard enough to put on San Japan all year long. <laughs> yeah, um, go ahead and give us a little bit of background as to what is the anime Matsuri, so that way uh, our out-of-state listeners can kind of pick up on what you're talking about. So anime Matsuri is one of the large, it has grown into one of the largest anime shows in Houston, Texas. But the owner behind it, John Lay, he has been connected to not paying his guests uh, sexual assault and grooming, uh, just to say the least. And there's a huge thing. You just Google what caught Anime Matsuri and you go to the Facebook page. Uh, on the beginning of it, there is a link to a huge slew of issues with the show and the grievances. And basically, they're calling for that John and his wife, uh, Denise, step down and let somebody else run the show. But it also got a huge amount of uh, backlash. So there was almost a counter protest to all of this. So, and it was just really nasty. It got picked up by the the, the local media, uh, and they were trying really hard to get the national media to pick it up, but they they didn't pick up bait for that. Uh, but it was it was pretty nasty for about six months. It was I mean I had to go underground, literally almost go underground because people were harassing me about about all this because they just could not figure out who was behind boycott. I mean that's yeah, it's funny how uh, big shows, fan-driven shows, how, you know, usually if there's any dirty deeds behind the scenes, oh. it's always, always, always someone's touching kids. Because <laughs> we hear this thing, I, I think I've heard like a few things said about, I think, one of the founders of Dragon Con. I'm trying to remember the song. Off the uh, that that one is actually true. Well, at least it was court documented. It was the guy was, it was a, a pedophilia. Uh, he was uh, part of the original three who started Dragon Con. And uh, because of taking to court and uh, charged and arrested and tried for that, that people won him removed because they wouldn't go to uh, Dragon Con because of, because of that history. And at some point he was uh, bought out. His shares were bought out. Um, mm. But it's something like he's going to still get $150,000 every year on just because he was the founder of Dragon Con. And then there's the one, there's a big one out in the Midwest 
who has a lot of accusations of what he's done. Uh, and I've met the gentleman. Even no matter how scummy he's and how many scummy things he's done, he still is able to put on a successful show. And that's what kind of drives people crazy about all this. Dragon Con still successful. Having Matsuri is still successful. Person in the Midwest, he still runs successful shows. Uh, there seems to be people who are just nonchalant. They're like, well, it's not going to affect me, so I don't really terribly care about this. Yeah, I also heard um, there was a lot of hubbub about one of the Steampunk World Fair, its founder, too. Was accused of, I guess, you know, being inappropriate with uh, the underage oh, staffers yeah, and stuff about like that. that. And, the, the guy, the one in New Jersey, right? Yeah, yeah, and and I've heard like a, there's tons of articles on that, and and of course me, I'm like I'm I'm eating it up because that's my community. You know, those are my people technically. So any little thing, I'm like, you know, hey, what 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 is this all about? Well, it's kind of crazy that. There's that one that happened, the Channel Awesome kind of controversy. But the only ones that seem to really people would know about is Dash Con, uh, Fire Festival, and now Tanacon seems to be one people bring up. It, it it hit a chord of like being part of the pop culture. This is what a failure event uh, is like. I mean, if anything, Rainforest and Lost Pegasus should be on the list. Uh, definitely to Google those if you're listening to those. Yeah, I, I definitely heard about Rain First in the furry community, and uh, was it the Pega Lost Pe- Pegasus? Lost Pegasus, where where they were pretty much cashing in on the My Little Pony cash cow, and then like they invited a bunch of people out and didn't pay them, and since then it kind of soiled all the rest of the shows from then on, because now from then on all the guests were like, hey, we, we're going to need our money up front or some kind of guarantee or something like that. Well, I think there's only two shows left. There used to be forty one point, and it's kind of dried up now kind of it's it's dried up i i loved it when it lasted i was i remember i was there at the beginning when it exploded in austin the brony fanfare mm-hmm. which was an austin show they expected 300 people it was kind of thrown on thrown together as a joke and it ended up getting three times that like 900 people it was overwhelmed and i kind of realized that hey there's a bubble here to exploit and it definitely was exploited and i gotta admit yeah i enjoyed it i loved it i i loved being a part of that it made me realize you know how i thought i was deep in the culture and then i went down there and i realized whoa i was only scratching the surface yeah I, there's one thing that bothers me about the my little pony uh with clomping that that part so clomping is kind of like the 18 plus side of My Little Pony. <laughs> yeah, that's I've, I, I've seen that. I know what you're talking about. It's I don't get it. It doesn't click with me. Anime has its hentai, so I I'm not one to judge. Well, that's funny actually. So we had one of our hotels freak out about this, the Marriott, <laughs> because they have kind of like new management there, and it was on their schedule. It was like, hey, we're gonna have a burlesque show. I just goes into it, you know how we. We, we're more than just a regular anime show. We have actually almost a dedicated 18-plus uh, adult room. Just do our adult, adult programming. But it's we check our ID. We check everybody's IDs. There's no, like, fornication, you know, live porn. porn there's not a porn shoot going on in there. Like <laughs> uh, you know, it's like burlesque. We show hentai, which is, you know, adult Japanese cartoons, which is more of like a, you know, Mystery Science 3000 style. Yeah, I've yeah. been to those. Those are hilarious. And, you know, and it's where they could also... See whatever they, they want in curse of uh, you know adult topics type situation. I only saw this. I, I only heard this on the radio. Well, and then my programming um, director was also freaking out uh, <laughs> that the hotel was going to shut this all down because they didn't realize what was going on in the room, and so it, it was they they actually brought SAPD to shut it all down. We explained, well, at least my staff explained, saying 
look, we've been doing it for years in this in, in this very same hotel. In your previous hotel, it's never been an issue. We're not going to have kids in there. It's all, uh, and also they're worried about uh, people uh, seeing it out in the open. We're like, no, all doors are closed. You know, once the show starts, doors are closed. Yeah. Uh, so that's what kind of gets into we, we, what we call it is uh, normies versus you know anime fans. Yeah, yeah, that whole these, these people they don't get it and stuff like that. And speaking of not getting it, one of one of the rumors too is that like it's so easy to start up an anime convention, isn't it? I mean, oh you yes, just, you use GoFundMe or any type of crowdfunding thing, and you just anybody can do it. All you got to do is just say, oh, "I want to start an anime convention." Go to GoFundMe, say, "Fund my anime convention," and it's done. Oh, I actually mock those people who go that route. Uh, I'm glad it's kind of gotten a lot of uh, pushback when people do the, uh, try that route because uh, cons have to, or people have tried that where they'll get a whole bunch of seed money. And then either the con doesn't, doesn't happen or, or fails spectacularly. Uh, there's a great example of one in Baltimore where the guy, they initially did a, uh, a GoFundMe of like $50,000. Mm-hmm. And uh, like not even a week before the show, uh, they pulled their plug completely. Uh, and because what since the, the GoFundMe was successful, they, they went huge for a first year. They made a lot of mistakes on the first year show. Should not do them. Like a huge roster. That was something like 60, 70 guests. And the expenses were clearly going to be in the millions of dollars. And they didn't, they didn't have that kind of money at all. I was joking. They said they must have like budgeted for uh, $250,000. And then it ended up the expenses being $2.5 million. Which is, that's how ridiculous that they were going for the first year. Yeah, I've heard that there's a couple. I've heard of steampunk uh, conventions. There was this one called uh, Steampunk Invasion. And it was, I forget what it was. I think it was in the... This is somewhere in North Texas, and um, they pretty much let some guy, prominent steampunk guy, you know, spend them into the black. And then when they... Wouldn't that be red? The red. Ooh. Whatever it's called. <laughs> the, the we have negative amounts of monies now. Mm-hmm. You know, bad. And, and it was, the show was a flop, and then they, they went next year without him. And since, like I said, the guy's a prominent steampunk, he, of course... You know, when they were going through their initial funding race, he like stirred up all this drama, and because of that, the show just completely caved in. So it's like the community just eating itself. And when I see that, I'm just it makes me cringe so bad. And I can imagine stuff like that happening, like in the anime con, or comic cons. I mean, it's it's fandom in general. Yeah, that people think, uh, oh, there's so much money to be made in, in all this, and they see San Diego Comic Con. Or they go to a successful show and be like, I can do this. One analogy I like to say is is that if you don't see that the kitchen is on fire, the con is doing a great job. <laughs> it's it's There is a lot of stuff going on in the background, but we try as hard as we can to make sure that the attendees don't see it. Now, if the attendees do see that the fires, there's a lot of fires going on, that's not a good, good show. Uh, I mean, there was a show this recently, uh, 210 Countdown. Uh, he was... Uh, Tommy had a, you know... Had a good heart to try to start another show, uh, but it's the dynamic is much different. You you can't just put a show out there, uh, put some flyers down in a comic store, and people will just come in in droves. Uh, there's been multiple uh, comic convention. Texas Comic Con is another great example of this you know, how to badly crash and burn shows. <laughs> and it's yeah. really yeah, it's, I, I forgot about that one. Texas Comic Con. <laughs> Yeah, that, that guy was, you know, a former, uh, I don't even know if he's still in the, in the business. I know he, he was a radio DJ. And he's, 
he was first to market, like he was before uh, Alamo City started, but he badly botched a lot of things and trying to be as cheap as possible. And then this last year that that happened in 2016, the photos I saw, there was just nobody there. There, uh, uh, no one at all. It was like empty. It was like you could throw uh, a football around in that place. That was how bad it was. And he stiffed a, he stiffed the Red Ranger. He stiffed one of the Red Rangers. And that was in the news. Oh yeah. Uh, but like uh, two ten countdown the photos. Like I had somebody there. I didn't go personally. I had somebody who was there. He said. It was not well attended. It was over at the Austin Highway. And then even when I was telling some friends, I mean, like, hey, uh, we're going to promote at uh, 210 Countdown. They're like, I haven't even heard of this show. And these are people who usually know every every single one. Of these. Even Eduardo. Eduardo knows every show. <laughs> and he was like, I have never even heard of this show. Yeah, I don't even know how he – it's like, how does he put his feelers out there? Because I, I hear about shows like two weeks after they happen. Mm. And I'm like, oh, that would have been a fun show to go to. How come I didn't know about that? And and I don't know how he does it, you know. Ed, you gotta tell me your secrets. But it's like I just, uh, you know, I mean, as far as getting the word out, I mean, I went to to two ten countdown, and you know, I had fun, but I did notice it was uh, scarcely populated. It hurts to see a show do poorly like that because you know, I mean, I want every, you know, you kind of want every show to be successful. But you know, sometimes it's just like what went wrong, and and I, I don't know. I, I oh, I got to spend tens of thousands of dollars every year because I, I don't go on just the uh, history of San Japan and the good, great word of mouth that we built up. I got to go out and get what I call the, the fresh blood out there, and and I'm seeing a lot of people who are coming into our Facebook group, uh, are tweeting to us and saying this is our first year, and I heard great things about the show. Uh, I like to know how they got you know heard our show, uh, but when we did like surveys about it, they said usually word of mouth, just good word of mouth. But you were complaining before we even started about you know how to do Facebook algorithms, and I I, I totally relate to that kind of stuff. Yeah, because I I try to promote the show as much as I can, and when you if you I've seen this happen to other people, it hasn't happened to me yet. But if you overshare and you're not paying for advertising, Facebook will shut you down. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I I don't go and share on my Facebook page. Uh, you know, we've built up an audience for that kind of stuff. But it takes a lot of work. It, it's I, I used to do a lot. I still do a lot of the social managing, and I've actually been called out on some of the I want to say bluntness. But then I, you know, we I hand off the duties to two other people to help them do this because it is a lot of work. There's a lot of cogs behind the machine to put mm-hmm. this all together, and mm-hmm. it's an all year, twelve months. You know, where are we planning 2019 stuff and I had my meeting with the uh, visitor essay, or sometimes known as like a uh, CVB uh, for the department. They were they were totally cool with like, well, we can sign you through twenty twenty five. We have an offer. We can make an offer sheet to secure your dates for twenty thirty. So I'm not going to be around. I mean, I'm not going to be shutting down anytime soon, <laughs> unless like somebody gives me the paycheck that I'm looking for. Yeah. So you hear that Wizard World? You got plenty of time to cash in on him. Well, how Wizard World was here for once, and they left San Antonio, <laughs> and and they tried to do the whole. They're well famous for setting up a show like two weeks before, two weeks after uh, a huge show that happens uh, that's already in place, and a lot of times it backfires. They try that in San Antonio; it had very little effect on our show. Yeah, and, and now we have uh, packs here too. I keep I keep wanting to go, but I you know I love video games. I, I do, I do, but it's kind of hard for me to 
to jump into that, you know, uh, that world again? It's more like you got to be either a hardcore gamer or really to independent gaming because they don't have bring out AAA studios to there. And I, like I've been, to, I've been to all the PAXs, but I went to the first two as an attendee. And I'm, I'm with you. I'm more in the casual gamer, very casual to say the least. I don't play. I play maybe not even a hundred hours of gaming a year because I'm just so focused on, on SJ all the time. So I have more fun volunteering, and that's a that's a blast. Uh, but you have to put a lot of time into it too. Yeah. It, I've I've done a few uh, shifts at San Japan, helping out here and there. It is a lot of fun to not just enjoy the show, but to be a part of to help make the magic happen, so to speak. Lately, I've just been you know like I'll buy my ticket and just walk into the door like everybody else because you know it's it, I get to have fun. And if I got anything to complain about, then I can say, well, I paid my ticket. God darn it! It's like no, voting. Why yeah. didn't you perform for me? Why didn't you do these things for me? Dance, bears, dance. <laughs> well, it's funny that uh, a lot of our staff that's been on board, they've been on for five to eight, sometimes 10 years. They help other shows. I've done, that's actually got me into, I want to help, help shows because it's a lot different uh, behind the scenes than being uh, on there. But it's also going to be, it's like a family. Uh, it can be like a traveling family. Uh, a lot of our longtime staffers said it is a family that comes together once a year. We all help the show out. And we all get to see each other once a year. I mean, because they're not all based in San Antonio. Uh, we have a lot of people based in Austin, Dallas, Houston. Well, we used to have a couple actually that would fly in just to help out the show. And, they were, and we don't pay for the tickets. It's like they just enjoy helping the show. And- yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. In this internet age, do we even really need anime cons anymore? Because if I can just, I can download everything through Crunchyroll. I can, there are all these streaming services where I can get anime. I can get the culture. I can get pictures of cosplayers. And I can pretty much get everything I want from an anime convention. And I can get the goodies off of the Funko sites and the Amazon Japan sites. And I can get everything I need. Like what, why do we even still need anime conventions with the lightning fast internet? What you're talking about is like window shopping, and that is an issue with a lot of dealer vendors talk about that attendees come to their show, and they'll, and they'll be like, well, why aren't you selling this at eBay and Amazon prices? The show is just like a camaraderie. It's a place where you can show your your, your nerd flag out there. Uh, it's a three-day it's a three day party. Like it's, I like to call San Japan a three-day nerd party, because it really is. You got, it's nonstop. It, it literally doesn't stop until it goes starts Friday morning and doesn't end until Sunday night. Uh, it's a lot of the community to get all together for whatever you're into. We try to make sure it's everybody who wants to be into it, anime, gaming, internet culture, just a nerd in general, uh, because you can't always bring that to Comic-Con and be ex- accepted to that. You can't bring your, just say it bluntly, we, you can't be a weeboo at PAX. <laughs> uh, we try we try to bring that to PAX, and PAX was like, nope, we don't want anything anime-related to our show. And like, that literally is banned from, from PAX. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, given the style of most video games, I, I would think that they would embrace that. I I would expect to see tons of uh, Overwatch cosplayers. And oh, there like is that. a lot of Overwatch. That, don't, don't get me wrong on that, but if you want to promote an anime video game, or if you try to sell anything outside of video games, they are very strict. They will shut that down. Uh, when Funimation, I tried the people who wrapped at Funimation, and they were very adamant. They were not cool about them selling the anime media uh, at their show that they had to promote the video game that they were uh, promoting there. When Rick and Rick was there, they couldn't even bring any anime merchandise. Uh, it had to be uh, video game related to all the merchandise. I think, I mean, if, as long as the convention's done right, that's, that's another thing. Uh, there is way too many conventions. A lot of convention, people who start conventions think it's like 
going to be a gold mine. It's going to be like a San Diego Comic Con or whatever well-known popular show is there. And all this money is going to come in and flow in. And you got to put a lot of money in. It takes a lot of money to put in. And you're going to be very lucky. I San Japan was barely broke even about the first three years. It was only about the fourth year that we started getting a return that we could put it back in the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like, you know, going on conspiracy theories. That was something that I pocketed a lot of money. Uh, and yeah, yeah, you live high on the hog. Yes. Yeah, I, I follow your Twitter feed. You're constantly going to Japan. <laughs> you spend all of my gold pass money on ramen <laughs> for yourself to feed your fat face. <laughs> have I gotten fatter since you've known me? I mean, I have gotten fatter. I, I no, do. Actually, you know, actually, <laughs> you do look pretty good. <laughs> uh, you've got, you certainly, you haven't gotten any balder. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've been bold for very, way before I got into anime, uh, anime cons. I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shiny as always. It's just it takes a lot of money to put all this. It takes a lot of time, a lot of dedication. Uh, this is a full. I mean, I have no problem telling my, my staff like this is a full time job uh, and doing all of this, and I am the only paid employee. But no one fights beyond that. And even the big shows, I know Al- uh, Alamo City was telling me that they have 10 pay- paid employees to put their show on. Other shows have, have admitted it takes paid employees to put it on. I mean, no one is making Buku, well, they shouldn't be. I, I'm not to say it doesn't happen, but I'm not going to uh, bring up those conspiracies. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a lot of dirt I can bring up that yes. happens on other shows. Let's keep that behind the veil because I don't want to get Alex Jones. <laughs> I'm sure enough. If I if I even mention to the boycott anime anime Matsuri people that I I mentioned there, that's just gonna just totally blow up to the. <laughs> oh great! I'm gonna get me too'd. Yes, uh, about uh, all this. Except this time it's gonna be Mew too'd because it's anime. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, I mean, in San Antonio, there's there's been attempts to put a lot of shows on, but I mean, you can put it in every city: Austin, Dallas, Houston. There's I know there's a list out there where it was showing that there was a show. There's one to five shows, ten shows, somewhere in Texas. It was the guy who put it together was saying that there was over 100 shows last year alone. I know the guy who runs FanCon, and he was saying there's over 1,000 shows every year that he has at least in his database. And that doesn't count the ones that are like one-day library conventions or put on by a store or, or such. Well, I mean, just... In the state of Texas, I think there was one time where there was like one or two shows every single weekend for the entire year. Oh, that's still going on. It's now up to three or four shows, five shows. So it's actually gotten more? Yes. Wow. I figured it would be like a lot less. but Oh, no. It's yeah. whatever people – conventions is – in. it's cool. It, you don't have to worry about worrying about being a nerd anymore. So it's okay to go to conventions. And – Celebrate whatever you're you're into. So it could be sci-fi lit of 300 people. It could be thousands of people who are really into Twilight. I mean, I'll just whatever you're into. It's probably a show for it. I'm going to a lot of paranormal cons now. I don't know what kind of model they run in, but usually most of them, you know, they'll consider it a success if they can bring in a hundred. And there are some that are like, I guess, large, larger scale that bring in the tens of thousands. There's a lot of passion there. And I kind of feel that going to a paranormal show now is kind of like going to a anime con in the, in the 90s. It, it, you feel all... It feels or like you say sci-fi conventions? Because looking from an outsider, it seems to be the, the standard 70s, 80s, 90s. Uh, here's a hotel. Here's some space. Here's panels, discussions. Here's some vendors, and there's a mixer. Is it that style? 
Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. Okay, yeah. There's a, there's a model, car model for that. Let's go ahead and move on. What is this year's theme? Because every single... Why, why, why do anime cons even have themes? Well, for us, it's something to give people what they should dress up as because uh, we announce a theme for... More from a marketing reason. Okay, we're going we're gonna to pick a theme and we're going to make our marketing based around this theme. And hopefully people will... Sh- they love this thing. They love that we do still do this. Uh, other conventions kind of seem to be drifting away from this, at least in the anime circuit. This is a way that people will be like, well, this year's Magical Girls. So we're going to, you know, bring out your Magical Girl. We tried to bring in. I tried. Uh, I, I got a, This was a really difficult year to book them uh, because just because there's so many conventions out there. But I was able to bring in some people who connected to Magical Girls. So we're focused on a show called uh, Car Captors. Uh, so we're bringing out some double actors uh, from that one. The artwork, I, I just got in some, some recently artwork, so they're like Sailor Moon uh, inspired type artwork. Oh, yeah. Card Captor Sakurai. That, that was a huge show in that and the whole clamp industry. I love that. Uh, some of my favorite magical girls is, of course, everybody knows Sailor Moon, and I recently got into, what is it, Pretty Cure? Oh, that's, that's pretty obscure. That's uh, pretty famous over in Japan. Yeah. But it, it, they tried to bring it over here. The four kids tried to scrub it. And try to and try to package it up and sell it over here, and that didn't that didn't go very, over very well. Yeah, and I think Netflix has robotech it into Glitter Force. Is that what it's called? Then? Yeah, yeah. It's it, Netflix is repackaging it as Glitter Force. Huh. That's all the Predicure mythos and stuff like that. And it's like, and you go across the world, and it's like every single Italy they have their own magical girls. Uh, France has their own magical girls. I actually did a show about the French magical girl, uh, Miraculous, which is you know Ladybug. She's the one that with the red oh, dress and okay. spots. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you've seen like a lot of those at at the yes, anime con. That that one was successful over in the U.S. Yeah, that 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 is a huge show. I'm into that. I think me and a friend we talked about it for like two hours or something like. <laughs> oh god I, I, i'm gonna try not to do that again but it, it's you know and magical girls it's it's a fun trope and there are so many anime series from what i've seen going through my crunchy roll uh rolodex there's so many parodies and parodies on top of parodies i think there's one where it's uh it's basically it's magical girls but all the magical all the magical girls are they're all big athletic men Yes. They get turned. They get the funny turned. thing, I'm bringing the guy who uh, inspired one of the characters uh, to my show. I didn't know this, this was, uh, it was like that at all. I didn't even know about the show. I was at Anime Japan, and Ladybeard was singing right in front of it. And apparently, he was one of the characters inspired in that show. And so, we're gonna, I'm going to actually track down some of the uh, merch that of his character such, just so he can go and sign it. <laughs> and Ladybeard is, is a guy who, that's his, is his stick, is he's a, a magical girl anime. But he's a he's a giant bearded uh, wrestler. He he originally came over to Japan to be a wrestler, and he ended up being an idol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I've I've seen him, and I think he uh, uh, what he does like rock and roll now. I uh, no, he's it's still idol. Right. Well, he he works with a another wrestler, and they do Japanese uh, idol idol music, or yeah. at least the idol style. Yeah, I, I've I've seen. I want to check out their stuff, and it's like. It looks so cool. <laughs> well, there is going to be a Lady Bird concert. I can give you the, the exact time. It's going to be, well, I can just say now because the schedule will be out in a few days. Uh, we've got like 4.30. Saturday. Oh, cool. And we're expecting a few thousand shows for the show. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they will because as far as music goes, you guys are just killer on the music. You bring some of the, you have the best concerts 
Oh, at you. your shows. And I just, I love them so much. And one of the things that I enjoy about, you know, I guess it's just the anime uh, format mm-hmm. that I love so much is there's something to do. It's pretty much like a 24-hour party. Right. At Comic-Cons, Comic-Cons are kind of coming back, but it's it's like... I what do you mean like coming back? There, well, there's too many of them. Well, I mean, it's, it's forced. Mm-hmm. It feels forced. But the thing is, Comic-Cons, I, I hate to saying this but they're for old people everything stops at six there's they say there are panels but i haven't been to a comic-con where i've been able to find a fucking panel (laughs) well there is panels but they they don't they do a poor job to advertise hey this is where the panel room is there's a there's this is where anything's going on i mean the 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 program is very light it's either q a's with the guests whatever fan panels is maybe two rooms and no one knows they exist they don't know where it is yeah it's like they have no problem telling you where the autograph line is and where the vendor's area is. And, of course, they, they skim over the artist area. They don't care about the artist. But, you know, it, it's like when I whenever I see Comic-Con, it's like unless there's an artist there or, or, or an author that I really want to see, it's pretty much just like a autograph con. That's what I think of it as. It has reverted to that. The Comic-Cons are just a giant glorified dealer's room and you pay a lot of money to be there. There's nothing for me there. But... At anime cons, you know, it it feels a bit more intimate. It feels a bit more like I can run into something that I didn't know I would love. Like there's there's sometimes where I'm going in, like I'm just walking up the stairs and, and there's a DJ playing uh, music, classical mu- classical um, Japanese music or like hey, rock and pop music. And, and I, you just sit down there and you just listen. And there's like so much stuff to see and do and so much stuff to run into. And that's what I enjoy yeah. most about we have content. You know, yeah. what, you're, what you're trying to explain is like content. I don't know. I'm always coming up with ideas of, or I go to another show and be like, that's some great content. I want to bring that to my show. I mean, I try to bring in stuff that I like. I don't try, I don't bring in a hundred percent of everything I like. Cause there's some stuff I just know it wouldn't go over well, at least in the San Antonio convention uh, market. Uh, yeah. But I'm, I'm yeah, always, not, not everybody needs bald, baldy, shiny, conic. <laughs> well, there was attempt to be a, a Sonic the Hedgehog convention i was there and <laughs> there was maybe 40 people there and 30 of them were actually the people like the vendors and the artists there yeah i heard that there were more vendors than attendees yes yeah, that that's that was that was sad for poor sonic Don. It, it sounded like a really good idea but again you know it's that sort of i guess this was a precursor to dash because <laughs> then DashCon came and took the trophy. It's like I guess when uh, social media had finally hit the point that you know people can actually brag about this stuff and make memes about it and gain gain entertainment off of mocking it. Well, it just keeps setting it up. The whole seventeen thousand dollars, the whole ball pit, uh, mm-hmm. losing Night Vale, and, and people were just flaming, fanning the flames. And then they tried to do a second year, and that was so badly botched, it just perpetuated. The mythos and history of Dashcon. <laughs> That's, I mean, comic conventions. Yeah, I'm with you too. I mean, you're done in, in, in an hour. Uh, yeah. If you're not there, if you're not there to see, you know, say Stanley or whoever the headliners is for that show, you can almost go in, pay, you know, pay your fifty dollars, forty, fifty dollars to get in, then another hundred dollars to get to autographs. Then you're done because you're going to see dealers, and then there's going to be vendors that. Don't even feel like they should be there, like the people who sell massage chairs and spinners and the insurance people who are just hawking themselves. Yeah, I, I do go because I, I, I'll i check one every once in a while because I want to shop and I expect to find the cool stuff 
exotic stuff and I and it's just the same old Femco pops that I see everywhere else. It's like I every single one is just like the last one. You know, maybe I'll find a unique T shirt or something like that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, the this latest San Japan. Definitely gonna go check it out. Yeah, there's there should be more content. Like my my passion is arcade cabinets. So we're gonna have a hopefully everything comes together. We're gonna have a huge arcade this year. I'm bringing all kinds of people from around the U.S. Uh, for this show, uh, we're gonna have some pretty unique guests for all of this, and it should be a good year. I'm actually really more stoked about next year because of just some things that go on in the background. I mean, that just goes into the whole what I said earlier about I'm already planning for next year. We want to add more and more to the show for all this because uh, we want to grow. At the same time, you know, it needs more money to do all this. So for certain reasons, we're gonna we're gonna make it bigger, but we also gotta you know invest more money into, into this show. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's like you got you got it takes some to make some. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but going back to the topic about you know magical girls, one I'm I well known and actually was kind of forced to watch it. Then I realized, oh, that's actually a pretty good show. Uh, <laughs> was Madoka, Poem uh, Magical Madoka, which is it, it kind of shook up the whole Magical Girl series because it was really emotional, and then they went really, really violent in in the series, and they were. When I go to, back to Japan, there's like still it definitely hit the the culture. But there are still like figures and uh, advertising for the show. You know, it's been like going on seven years since since it's happened. So, huh. so I definitely recommend Madoka if you want to give it uh, see something completely different than your usual shojo magical girl series. <laughs> you have to stay at a lot of hotels, right? Yes, like ninety percent. I, I won't even go so far as that. You spend like a lot of time at hotels because you're constantly traveling to conventions to, to promote San Japan. You're at the, your own convention. You you have staff and traveling friends who go with you. To does, does anyone ever bring you any ghost stories or or anything? Because haunted hotels are sort of a a, a cash crop. Like, do you ever well, run into any of that? The only ones I've had is people who stayed at the manger uh, hotel and. They stayed there because of the history that they thought they, they were going to see a ghost. Uh, I know they complained that the rooms are like really tiny because they were built in what was the 1930s, 40s. I, I don't know the exact history. I know it was built a long time ago. That's about the only ones. And a lot of times I've heard that it, it was disappointing because they were expecting to see a ghost or, or be uh, creeped out. And they just they just said it was like it was a little, just an overpriced hotel. <laughs> uh, I mean, I haven't had any. I that's about the the, the most I've heard. I've the, what I've actually had more scares of like people who do stupid shit in our hotels. <laughs> uh, the, the other kind of goblin. Yeah. Uh, like the ones, there was this ledge on, I want to say the 33rd, 34th floor. Right the, I know it was in the high 30s or no, low 30s, sorry, low 30s of the, of the river center that people found this ledge and they would go and smoke at because it was really difficult to smoke there. And they would go hang off the ledge uh, like, and dangle it off the, off the ledge and when I heard that, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so glad we're leaving this hotel. And then people were going to the, to the Hyatt and sitting on the ledge at the fifth floor. And I was like, this is just one step away from people falling off this hotel. And then there would be definitely would be ghosts. I mean, there was a – I remember <laughs> when Hyatt had, what, a sh- couple shootings at the hotel? Huh. I know they had one like three weeks before our show. Oh, God. And, and, uh, and someone died. And they and I contacted my event manager about this. And she was like, you have nothing to worry about. This was this, – this was a – you know, I think it was an attempted robbery. I think it, I think it was, or some kind of some kind of dispute. And that's I haven't get, I haven't seen, been haunted at the high about that one. 
But maybe at some point the ghosts hanging around. I know we can go into like San Antonio's. They have this whole buildings that are haunted, like the yeah. manger, manger and so such. In San Antonio, we got a huge ghost culture in our hotels. I think it's just part of the tourist trap thing. But if there's anything, to, I'm not really, I'm not a ghost hunting guy. But it's, I do find the history and the stories fascinating. Wasn't the Emily Morgan like rated one of the most haunted hotels in the yeah, country? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, there's just so many. I got one of my friends who works down there. He he says he's had a he's heard a few ghost stories, and maybe he's had a few some stuff happen to him. I figured with you going as traveled as well traveled as you are, I mean, you you've never well you're in Japan. Did you hear about the suicide force? You never went out there. Oh, I'm aware of the suicide force, and I remember uh, uh, Logan Paul was Paul Logan that went went out there. I mean, it it was. I know in Japan the issue is people will go and kill themselves in front of trains, and it's just a giant annoyance. I don't know if you're aware that if somebody throws themselves in front of a train, like the train company goes and charges the family to pay for the stopping the trains and clean and the cleanup fees. <laughs> Did you know about that? That doesn't surprise me, given the the from what I've seen of the the culture of of the Japanese. Well, they they don't have a they're okay over there too uh, for suicide. Yeah. The way their religious belief system and just how how they handle stress. I mean, they were very happy. Like this year, suicide went down, you know, a couple of percentage points, but it was still even higher than America uh, on the amount of people who kill themselves. Yeah, that's 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 creepy, isn't mm-hmm. it? I mean, in the third world developing countries, the places where you think people would be killing themselves doesn't happen. But more, the more industrialized we are, the higher the suicide rate. Like we first world problems. You know, it's it's like that's the stuff that actually makes you want to kill yourself. Well, I mean, they even have a phrase over there. I literally, what translated literally means work yourself to death because there's kind of this expectation that you're we're going to work 80 to 100 hours. Uh, and the culture is that you don't leave until your boss leaves. So it's not uncommon to get there at like 8 a.m. and leave, not leave until 8, 9 o'clock. And then there's kind of an expectation to drink with your boss, drink with your, your coworkers. So. You're waking up at 6 a.m., 7 a.m., be there at 8, and then getting home at 10. If you ever seen Agresco, have you seen Agresco? Yeah, Agresco. Mm-hmm. I benched that one. Like, I expected to maybe get one or two episodes, and then they're like, oh, only 15 minutes apart. I just binged the hell out of that one. It's got that sort of that, that uh, Sanrio office culture. And, you know, I, I don't work in an office environment, but so many of those tropes of the managerial relationships are so true. <laughs> yeah, it was funny because I was I went to Anime Japan and I uh, and there was just like a few weeks before they were going to release on, on Netflix. The representative I was talking to, they weren't really sure it was going to be successful in America. And I, I've seen some of the episodes uh, before I hit it there. And I was like, no, this is going to be a hit. This, this, <laughs> the things that, that they they touch on in that series. Sure, it's Japanese centric as Japanese culture but it also rolls over and the same issues happens in America happens worldwide and people can just completely relate to these characters of like the snake the asshole boss uh the the pig boss and the the one that the deer the fawn the suck up yes (laughs) and and the office gossip those it's a it's a great office comic definitely anybody should check it out I mean it's what like two hours you can binge the whole thing like two hours if, if that and I think there was a whole, uh, like, Japan, they had their own, like, 15-second-long episode. It's a minute or, episode. I saw, that's why I saw. It's a minute episode yeah, they, they had the first. 40 <laughs> episodes. Yeah, I saw the first 40 episodes. And it is, it's, it's funny that it's promoted by Sanrio, but I went to a Sanrio store, and they didn't have any of Gretzko. 
Uh, I had to have, I had, uh, we, we tracked down a store employee and we were trying to explain a Gretzko. They were like, Hey, we want to buy some merch. And they were like, Oh, that show is, you know, they were like, No, we don't have any, we don't have any at all. I don't even really know what show you're talking about at all. (laughs) It's something to imagine that coming out of the Hello Kitty universe. Yeah. I mean, it's meant for adults. That's 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 the thing. It's, it's, it's crazy because when I think Hello Kitty, I think stationary. I think pencils and rulers and, and you know, notepads and stuff like that. I, I don't think highbrow office comedy sitcoms. I mean, yeah, Hello Kitty has been for five years. Even I get repulsed walking in there and be like, this is too cute. <laughs> I mean, this is not my market. Right? <laughs> but now there's a Gretzko stuff at Hot Topic. That's that's how popular it, it resonated over here. <laughs> and that's why they ever uh, greenlit uh, second season of it. So I'm, oh, good. I'm really glad that they're, that's going over. Yeah, that and BoJack Horseman are, are my, my guilty pleasures. I, I love this show so much. Well, I mean, do you, is it because you can relate to the character? I try not to because the characters are such terrible people, and especially in BoJack Horseman. But it's it's just a it's an interesting show. I mean, normally I wouldn't like a kind of show where where the guy, the main where most of the characters are just terrible people, and they're going through their lives, going through terrible stuff. And the thing is, they they confront it. They confront their own uh, miss shortcomings and misgivings and yet there's they they still are terrible people have you done an episode yet about bojack it sounds like you should i remember me and ed we talked about it at length during i think it was during one of the earlier episodes it was it wasn't a bojack centric we could definitely do a bojack centric episode in the future because i've done a miraculous episode so i can definitely see that i mean i definitely would love to have a retzico agretzico episode i do like having episodes where i just focus on a guilty pleasure of mine and we just talk and talk about a show like a couple shows back uh me and ed did uh the incredibles incredibles 2 and we just went over that show just cut it up and and dissected it and i i went over my theory that have you seen the incredibles yes i have okay i've seen it like six times oh man i had a theory that that in the beginning that uh, brother and sister that they were the the mom and dad, the wife, the old people that got killed. Mm-hmm. I had a I had an impression that it was them, that that they're the couple that they figured out some way to juice supers to rejuvenate themselves, and that's what they were luring them three supers into. That's what I thought was going to happen, <laughs> and it's like, man, was I wrong? In fact, the name of the episode is pretty much Incredibles Two. Chris was wrong. <laughs> and, because before, me and Ed did a, an analysis of the, the trailer. We, you know, we, we speculated on, oh, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And then we wrote down all those points. And then we came back and we did the special after we seen the movie. And we went back over all of our talking points and, and brought ourselves up to date and actually tallied on, you know, who was right and who was wrong. And I was probably more right than I was wrong. But the stuff that I was wrong at, I was really wrong at. I mean, is that why you watched it multiple times to try to pick out more of the universe or more about the story just to reanalyze it over and over again? No, I just watched it more because I really liked it. I'm I'm a MILF hunter. (laughs) So the Helen Parr, because here's the thing. My complaint was, this is going to be just feminist pandering. And it was, but it wasn't heavy-handed feminist pandering. So they, they push, you know, Helen out to the front, and that's what I want to see. So <laughs> it's sort of like, you know, feminism, you know, women, female power. And I'm like, oh, I just want to see her jiggle. <laughs> I actually thought the first movie was, was better. First time I saw it, I was so impressed by it that I rewatched it immediately. Yeah, the first one was good. 
I enjoyed this one. I guess I enjoyed this one better. Probably. Okay. Well, why why did you like the first one better? Uh, it was just so different. It was something. It was completely different from Pixar. It was a different telling of of a standard hotel. I mean, a, a, a words other words. You're thinking yeah. Hotel Transylvania. Yeah. Uh, different show. It was a different style of of how usually superhero movies, and it was you know it felt real. And like this is. It almost felt like this would would happen if a parent or couples were removed uh, and the struggles, the struggles of being a superhero. And then also uh, Syndrome was a fantastic villain because you saw why he became Syndrome and what inspired to do all this. And then he later revealed, you know, his his plans about all of it. And he was just a perfectly well-written villain. Yeah, yeah. In in the second one, I enjoyed the, the villainess as well. I thought she was a great villain too. Well, I, I picked up in within twenty minutes. I knew who, who screensaver was. But yeah. Yeah. I really didn't know at first, but after a while, it's like, mm, yeah, this is this, she's too good to be true. But I really loved she had she was motivated as well. That's what I liked. And one of the things that I did like was I got to see more of the the characters. You know, just because the Mister Mom part, I thought I was going to hate it. I expected to hate it, but I loved it because I got to see the kids, you know, be human. I love the drama between Violet and Tony and the dad trying to help and all that stuff. It was, it was hilarious. I found it funny that there was controversy about the opening uh, movie, uh, Bow. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. people, I mean, I got it. I got the the association that what that was all going on. And people, white people just didn't get it that he just suddenly uh, ate, she ate his kid. But that was supposed to be you know, metaphorical. I got immediately that it was supposed to be a mer- metaphorical. She did not literally eat her kid. <laughs> but also yeah. the fact that Pixar did that. They're like, oh my goodness, they have cannibalism in, in, our, in the shows now. Yeah. And uh, yeah, me and Ed touched on that too as well. And since we both come from Hispanic backgrounds, we were able to relate to it. I got the message. I just wasn't entertained by it. Because in, in Hispanic households, the dinner table is, that's how you bring the family together. Is, well, through food and the dinner table. And, and one of the parts that I mentioned to Ed that I thought really stood out was where the mom tried to, she tried to win her son back by cooking him this beautiful meal. And then when, when he just walked off and left, you know, she ate it all out of spite because, you know, even in, in his, with Hispanic moms, they're extremely strict about wasting food. You do not waste food. So when she ate all that stuff out of spite, you know, we totally got the message. We knew what that meant. <laughs> I mean, I, I one half of my side, on my father's side, is, is Jewish. So I, when I go and visit that family, I understand the I'm, whole... I'm 1% oh, in Jew. You're 1%? Okay. So we're brothers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't really talk about that too much because <laughs> you have to be... It's your mother's side before you can you can say you're part of Judaism. Uh, but when I would go visit the family, it was all about... You know, shoving food in my face, and I and so I got that whole that whole part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 just I guess it's just uh, carryover from like the the European cultures, and it, it is so cool. I I definitely, yeah, I didn't I got it, but uh, I think I enjoyed the movie more. Oh, cool. Um, I maybe need to watch or buy it on, on when it comes out on Blu-ray. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, I'm gonna buy it when it comes out on digital. I'm not gonna wait. <laughs> You're going to put it on, on iTunes and you're just going to put it on repeat and just have it running <laughs> on the background. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm even, I mean, I even went looking for a pirated copy. You know? uh, it's it, that bad. <laughs> it's out there. So um, in, 
in conclusion, any anything else you want to hit on? Any other topics like like what what are your favorite animes right now? What are you watching? Um, what's I, on your Crunchyroll? Uh, when I have time to watch it, it's, it's it's funny that my girlfriend is way more otaku than I am. Like she tells me what what she's watching. <laughs> or I go How's over... that possible? <laughs> you, you run an anime <laughs> convention that you should be like tier ninety nine. Uh, well, I'm. So I have a joke with my girlfriend. Uh, I, I tweeted this is like I'm the king of otaku's in San Antonio because I kind of start this, and it's it's funny going to like nerd events and people would come up to me and be like, "Are you the San Japan guy?" And be like, "Yeah." And we're like, "Oh," and then like it gets doughy eyes, star stars in, in their eyes. Yeah, yeah. And, senpai noticed me. Yeah, it's literally why we put it on a shirt because. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I yeah. I. I Verney conventions has kind of become uh, all I you know eat, breathe, and poop out all the time. So uh, that's what I'm I'm involved in. But that's just make sure the show tries to run well as best as we can. Uh, but my girlfriend she'll like try to uh, show me like my love story. That's one of her all time favorites. She's really into Gundam or robot series. So I'll go over and she'll be uh, watching that. She just will just tell me like, oh, you gotta watch this series. You gotta watch this series. So if anybody can should, that question should go to it should be my girlfriend. <laughs> uh, that's cool that's cool um i one of the things that i gravitate to i didn't think i would but for some reason i love high school comedy hmm. chromart was it chromite chromarty high chromarty high. Yeah, high school and uh there was another one uh it's like yuki yuri yuki uh it's basically you know middle school high school girl kids just going through the drama of their lives and, and just the hijinks they get into i guess i uh, what probably launched me into that was the series Lucky Star. I've seen that series. Yeah, Lucky Star is like high school comedy described as Seinfeld, anime Seinfeld, <laughs> where the ongoing lives of all these girls, and it's like nothing's happening. You know, technically nothing's happening in their lives, but they have so much comedy, and I just eat up like, you know, high school comedy after high school comedy. Well, have you seen Nietzsche Joe? Mm. Or My Ordinary Life is the English name? Uh, probably not. Okay, that, that one is it's the same sort of thing. It's like nothing really goes on, but it's very absurd. Like absurd things goes on in the background. Uh, I recommend that. My all-time seri- favorite series, uh, one of my all-time favorites, uh, Azumanga Daioh. Oh, uh, yes. I, I've heard it. I've seen a couple episodes of that. I, I totally get it. It's like a skit comedy. High school uh, it was based comedy. on a four, a four comic, first called Four Comma uh, series. And it was just real, real, real well, well done. It was like, if you watch the entire series, you get to see them from like going from freshman to graduating, you know, from high school. Yeah. yeah. It's a really good slice of life. Yeah. Yeah. It's stuff like that. They did the same thing in Lucky Star where the, the final ep- episode was them graduating. And then they had the voice actors uh, come out and they did a roof scene. They did the stereotypical troop roof scene. <laughs> yeah. Episode. Yeah. Roofs. I mean, what is it with the Japanese and roofs? They, they just love. It's like everything is in the roof. Um, I think there's this other series that I'm watching, uh, uh, Dragon Maid. Yes, I, I haven't seen it, but I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that it's like everything happens. So much happens on the roof. Oh, uh, my, my girlfriend keeps begging me to watch the one where uh, it's about uh, anime characters, but they're like the bloodstream, and you're uh, oh oh cells at work. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I've seen trailers for that, and I definitely need to pick that up. Uh, another one that I loved is uh, One Punch Man. I, that one I did see. And yeah. It was so hilarious because it spoofed up the superhero genre. 
and it did really well with this, you know, overpowered character. I kind of had to jump onto that when I needed to to lull myself from the uh, Attack on Titan. Yeah, I mean, I liked the Attack on Titan. I liked it on uh, One Punch Man. I really liked the. I mean, people keep begging me to be like, "You should be Saitama." I could cosplay Saitama, <laughs> and I always said, "Well, I won't do Saitama unless I lose lose enough weight." Because sure, I'm bald, but I'm also a little, you know, a little portly. <laughs> so I don't want to be, you know, one portly man. <laughs> uh, one portly man. It's, and that's the thing about the the anime is it just it doesn't end. There's so much out there. There's something for everybody, you know, stuff for the hardcore sci-fi nerds, mm. stuff like uh, I had no idea there was so much anime uh, anthology horror. I mean, it's just so much anthology horror. Have you ever seen another? No, I, I stay away from the anthology horrors. Oh, okay. I I just, I, I'll watch, you know, highlights, screenshots and stuff like that, you know, just to see like, well, oh, do you like, Final, do you like Final Destination? Because another is basically Final Destination. The I've heard of that one. Oh. I know exactly what you're talking about, but, but go ahead. Well, no, no, actually, if you want to, uh, I've seen another and it's, it is pretty graphic. Uh, but if you want to go on YouTube and search another kill, uh, kill scene, there's somewhat a, a compilation of like, uh, all the kill scenes. So you can see, you can pretty much tell this, see the entire series in this one uh, anime spoiler clip for like 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I think I've seen a few clips of that. And it is, uh, the, I mean, I guess if there's, if the Japanese, they just love to excel at everything, even when it comes to grotesque stuff and suicide. Oh, I, I had a hard time watching Blood Sea. That, that, that was gross. I mean, that's an alien invasion series, but they got really graphic. They, the, the when, when I saw a clip of like they were throwing people in a giant blender, like a building-sized blender, and, and just blending it all up, that was that was like that's that's too much for me. <laughs> and that's one of the things also about the anime stuff is it's a different culture. It's a completely different culture, and we're looking at it, you know, through our round, white, Caucasian American eyes. And it's funny how uh, I remember when I was on the OG podcast, the original gamer podcast. He would bring up about, you know, where people were outraging because they somehow got wind of some Japanese advertising. And usually it's just, you know, busty models with huge breasts everywhere. Mm. And people are like, oh, this is inappropriate. So like, this is Japanese advertising. This is what they do. This is how they sell their games. You know, we're trying to judge them by our standards. And you got to kind of remember that when you're watching anime. I mean, when I go over to Japan, I mean, sure, there's a lot of anime draw and style or manga style characters in the advertising but anime is not as huge as people would think Gen japan it's all about like yeah you, uh, you can go to akihabara uh, or dinden town uh, out in osaka and but they're very centric to where anime is and people uh, don't realize like anime is generally shown in, in japan like very late night it's usually sh shown like between 10 and 2 in the morning uh, over there I, I mean, even though there's like 30, 40 series that comes out, it's not as prevalent uh, over there. Uh, idols, I would say more like idols and TV talk shows and comedy, it's way more more uh, popular over there than people seem to think. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Because you know, I, I mean, part of me would I would love to go to, to uh, Japan, you know, not not to talk to people, not mm -hmm. to suck up the culture, but I would love to just walk down the streets. And just look at the buildings and, and observe the architecture and observe the cities, you know, because that's when I went to New York, I mean, uh, me and Oscar were just walking around and I just I just 
I wanted to take pictures of everything because the architecture and stuff was so beautiful and everything was just so, you know, it's, it's like, I don't want to say like so much history everywhere, but you know, I get the same feeling when I'm walking through uh downtown San Antonio. I mean, we're kind of ruining it, but you know, it's the, the gentrification. Yeah. <laughs> Not just, yeah, I guess gentrification, all these old buildings, all these beautiful old buildings, these scenic things, and we're trying to, and everybody's just walking over them to get to the to the mall or to the bar or, or you know, to go to a party and, or to go to the Ripley Museum or some shit like that. Are you trying to explain, like, how in New York, since I went there uh, about 10 months ago, where you go to a different district uh, or diff- different part of New York, and it almost seems like a brand new city that you stuff that you're walking out from the subway? Is that, is that Something like that. I mean, in, J- in Japan, like in Tokyo, I can tell you that for sure. Like, you go to famous one, you go to Shin- Shibuya, you go to Shinjuku, uh, Akihabara, and that's what it feels like. You, you step out and this is a completely, like a transformation. And even though they're only, like, wide walking distance, two, three, four, five miles apart, it's just completely brand new. I mean, like Manhattan, you like the difference between like Manhattan, Bronx, you know, it, it, it felt like completely different cities. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there is something to be said. The lost art of city building. It's, it's I don't know if it's fading away or, or because everything is like, everything's becoming hotels and apartments and stuff like that. Now. It's, it's crazy like seeing Austin and how that's transformed in the last 20 years. So mm-hmm. I mean, moved there in 86 and there was definitely distinct sections and now when you drive through it's just giant sky high rises all around and the cultural side keep austin weird is becoming almost like a joke amongst the, the cynical people there uh, because of how uh gentr- how gentrified that entire city is, is going to me they're all cynical <laughs> <laughs> well austin has a reason i mean the traffic sucks there the rent is is shot through the roof i there's a reason i left austin i mean i used to call austin my hometown I left there. I used to love it. Just talk about glorified it. And then I came back to Austin for a few years and I hated it. I hated <laughs> what, what it's transformed it into. So I moved down to San Antonio to, to get away from paying two thousand over $2,000 in rent. <laughs> and then now San Antonio is having the same problems too. You know, the Austin problems are rolling down to, to San Antonio. Yeah, that, that, that sucks. It, we'll, we'll cross that hill when we come to it. <laughs> but yeah, I guess we'll just wrap it up here. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, well, San Japan this year is on Labor Day weekend, uh, August 31st, September 2nd. And if you missed this year, just look up Labor Day, whenever Labor Day weekend is, and San Japan is going to be on that weekend. All right. And thank you for coming on. This was a great show. All right. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye, kids. Write to the show at conspiretheory at outlook.com. You can also find me on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Find me at Twitter at PsychoChris, as well as the show Twitter at ConspireTheory. Also, look for me on Gab, and you can find my art on DeviantArt, Fur Affinity, and Tumblr. Contact information in the show notes. See you later!